Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to a brand new season on the Attacking Scrum podcast. Rugby is back, it's underway, and uh, in the most rock and roll style, just to get this this pod underway, trying to see where the mighty Murph is because he's not usually late. I thought, has he gone out on some massive great bender, and we're, we'll never we'll never see him again. <laughs> and then I get a phone call five minutes later saying he's fallen asleep on the sofa, which is uh, yeah. I don't know is that is that uh, is that an indictment of this week's rugby? I don't think it has actually, Murph. <laughs> I, I think it's been a, I, th- I thought it was a pretty. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get onto the dragons if you want the depressing stuff, but. Um, <laughs> But other than that, some some uh, some pretty exciting games. I thought there's not exactly Richard Harris, is it? You know, he used to, apparently used to <laughs> pop out for a pack of fags and come back three weeks later. But, um, yeah, I just <laughs> just nodded <laughs> off there on the sofa. And if you, it, honestly, if you hadn't rung me, I don't know what time I would. I might have woken up in the morning. But um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Well, first of all, I was glad because obviously. Um, Cardiff Munster was delayed uh, a day, yeah, and um, I didn't think it was going to be broadcast in the same way because you know obviously it was going to be seven thirty Friday night and then three yeah. o'clock three fifteen I think kick off on Saturday, and um, they still they still broadcast it on um, on Scrum Five, Scrum five. Yeah. so yeah that was good and I saw it uh, today uh, yesterday actually on on record and um, yeah I mean. I mean, all around good vibes, but apart from Liam Williams. And mm. I suppose if you're being really picky, it looked like Munster were having a look at their squad. Do you know what? I think you, you can be picky about that. But at the same time, um, the game reminded me of 
the start of the season, whatever it had been, three or four years ago, when they played Leinster first up on a Friday night, having just won the the Parker Pen Shield. Mm -hmm. And again, there was kind of good vibes in the area. And uh, Leinster put out, I think, you know, a mixture of first and second stringers. Mm -hmm. And um, as a game, Cardiff should have won and they didn't get over the line. And there were points yesterday where I thought, oh, this is going to be a similar, um, similar thing. But they got over the line. They did well. Yeah, I think you you might be able to pick a few pick a few holes, but I mean Leinster's Leinster squad is a strong is a strong squad anyway. So I think just just to get the result, I th- I don't think um, I don't think you'd be too too dissatisfied no, I, with. I that. agree. Yeah. Uh, I you know I think they definitely would have found a way to lose that game in the past. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, aside from that, glorious weather. Um, obviously the surface is the same year round but it was just a great day for rugby and um, it wasn't a massively high scoring affair but um, there was lots of um, lots of breaks and what have you and uh, it's just nice to have rugby back I suppose especially with the delays and the uh, um, postponement and everything that's gone on it was yeah. just great to eventually see that game played you know it was, and also as well, Murph, I think the thing that we said this before, the thing that frustrates me most about rugby generally, but especially the uh, <laughs> the BTK UFC, yeah. um, is, the, is, the, is the, the number of meaningless games that are played. Mm. And, you know, to have both have strong sides out and, you know, it to be... It's the first game of the season, so it, there's, it actually feels kind of... Uh, it feels competitive, you know, rather than... Yeah, I know you said that the Munster were, were kind of perhaps having a little look at their squad, mm. but they put out a side that they definitely thought was capable of winning that game. And I think it, it just, yeah, it just felt like it felt like a proper league contest. Mm. And and also as well, you know, none of the Welsh sides were playing the um, were playing South African or Italian sides, and that just I, I don't know. It's just like yeah. it's just so disparate this league. You know, when when one minute you're watching, you know, you're watching a game in Cardiff, and the next you're watching one in Bloemfontein. And it just doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't conjure up a, a the feel of a domestic league. And we've yeah. said before, there's no away fans. All of that stuff adds to it. So yeah. actually, this weekend was pretty good because you had Cardiff in Cardiff, you had the West Wales derby, and then you had uh, and then you had the Dragons in Edinburgh. So at least it felt kind of like a, a Celtic of a yeah. And and you know when when uh, Cardiff's always got a few native Munster people hanging around, it even if Munster aren't here. You know what I mean? It's that kind of town. So. Um... There's always a little bit of a way for support. Not much, obviously, but some. You could see them in the crowd in the red tops and all that. Uh, yeah, it, it was... I look at... Uh, like I said, apart from Liam Williams, it was not much to um, pick holes in, like Thomas Young. I, I don't know, you know... My word. I don't know, what, what are yeah. they going to do now? Because they still got, you know, Navidi, Ellis Jenkins... Uh, just shed loads, you know, obviously. Yeah, Shane Lewis Hughes. Technically, you know. Ratty. Both of them started out at a seven. Yeah. So. Um, oh, right, you mean specifically at seven? Yeah, specifically right? yeah, at yeah, seven, yeah. yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's hard. Uh, that's probably the best uh, open side performance of the last couple of years at Cardiff. And, and, and it's a side that always has good performances at seven, if you know what I mean. It's a, it's a side that has had yeah. had good sevens throughout its existence, really. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, you go from Martin Williams to Warburton, Ellis Jenkins, all the all the others you've just named. Absolutely, yeah. I, look, I think you've got. I think you've got to stick with you've got to stick with um, with uh, with Thomas Young right now, haven't you? I mean, so, I just looked. It looked it looked phenomenal, and mm. and obviously when you know we haven't even mentioned Toby yet, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, it was just a 
a, a fantastic performance from from both of them, and you know Jim Botham himself, brilliant back row performance, mm. and um, yeah, it was a lot a lot to get excited by. Yeah, uh, you know, it goes back to my point about um, possibly about Tommy Rafael playing really well in the Welsh uh, side this summer. First up. Um, same as Basham did, same as others did in the last 12 months, but the advantage Tommy had was he was playing with Dan Lydiot, so the back row was very balanced. Likewise, Thomas Young was playing with Toby Falatel, so the back row mm. was very balanced, whereas Cardiff are normally playing at least one person sort of in a different position. And, uh, yeah, do you see... Do you, uh, that's a great point. I, mean, I don't, I don't I think put it slowly down any, to that. Anyone would. You've still, no, still got to be able to play, you know. But uh, yeah. it probably helps the balance of it, I think. I don't know. Um, it does. I mean, playing with Toby will always help. But like you say, I think, you know, I, I see Jim Botham maybe as more of a seven than a six. But, yeah, um, but, yeah I mean, either way, it it worked. Uh, it worked brilliantly. Everyone putting in a big um, putting in a big shift. But, you know, like you said, um, you know, you said it on last week's show when we were previewing the new season, how important Falatao would be just to have a player of that calibre. Mm. And it was, you know, that... Uh, the guy is just plays rugby from a, a, an absolute different level to um, to kind of I guess what you what we've been used to, and there's no shortage of good players and, and excellent players in that Cardiff side. But yeah. you know, he just, when he, when he's playing at his best, and he was at his best um, on Saturday, it's just yeah, it, it, I think it must raise everyone else in that squad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's weird, you know. There wasn't he didn't do like. Um... Loads of meters carry. He was carrying, obviously, but he wasn't having a, you know tons of meters. He wasn't doing anything uh, outstanding and line breaks. And you know, he did have a one break up the left hand side. He was just being excellent all the time. <laughs> he was just being yeah. Falatel all the time, and that that's that's what kind of stood out really because there's been a gap. You know, there's clearly been a gap at eight for Cardiff for a while. Um, the other one, um, I know possibly, is more encouraging because. Uh, he's on his way up, not 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 sort of carrying on being himself as uh, Max Llewellyn. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I can't remember. Actually, I don't think I did mention it last week, and this is easy to say in retrospect. But he was going to be. My you can get away with that with me. I'm totally. I'm totally. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I can't. I can't. I can't remember anyone says, but but he is. Um, yeah, he's a, he, I mean, he is a real, real prospect. Mm. And do you know what I liked as well, Murphy, is it wasn't just crash back. Exactly, stuff. yeah, that's what caught me out. Look, played what was in front of him. Yeah. Played what was in front of him. So, yeah, very, very encouraging. He, he, um, uh, he you know, he, he's got more to his, like he looks, uh, I suppose, to some people outside, he might look like a, a clone of uh, Jamie Roberts or something like that because yeah. in the past he's made some big tackles um, and what have you but, uh, and they use they definitely use him as a bit of a uh, carrier in midfield but that, that was several different more uh, strings to his bro yesterday I thought and um, hopefully that's if that's a sign of things to come like you know it's really that's a real uh, uh, bonus to Cardiff because I think uh, I suspect they'll be managing the minutes of Halaholo and uh, Lilo this year, uh, especially Lilo because he seems to be ageless, and um, but he's not. You know, if you know what I mean, he's getting on. Yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's yeah, he's um, mid thirties, easy. Mid thirties. Yeah, so yeah. They, they they need someone to be a constant there, if you know what I mean. And if uh, yeah. Maxwellin does that, that's a real. And there's there's Mason there's Mason Grady you mentioned last week as well, who again is another um another 
physical presence um, in the midfield and a, and an exciting prospect. So yeah, some yeah some some good options um, some good options in there for Cardiff. Do you know what I thought as well? Um, I, I thought that Jared Evans didn't have his um, didn't have his best game. There was some mistakes in there. That, yeah. And I know I know he is prone to the odd mistake, and in a way that's probably why. I love watching him play so much as he's, you know, an exciting ten to watch. Um but again you'll you'll see much better performances from him. And when he has those really exciting games, it just get it gets the, the rest of the back line the the rest of the back line flying as well. So um so yeah, there's plenty plenty to build upon for Cardiff, I think, which is, you know, a stark contrast to where we were four months ago watching whatever it was Bennett and put 70 points on them yeah you, you know you could you know win win aside you could say the most important thing Cardiff um, did on the weekend was not concede tries left right and centre yeah. which is what they've done you know if you picked out their last uh, uh, 10 matches in the league mm-hmm. you know they were they were um, they were just getting battered you know the game away in Italy a couple of games with the big clubs as well yeah, the, Scar- the, the Scarlets yeah. give them two humpings back to yeah, back and, and some of the games uh, in, um, down south in uh, South Africa as well they're just conceding tries all over the place so I think they only conceded one try yesterday so you know the, the, obviously one game doesn't set you straight again but it's a, it's a start um, they need to keep all of because uh, you I mean, it's, uh, you could argue it's a different squad now, uh, with the people they brought in and the people who've moved on, and what have you. But um, I think it's a different. Ma- I think it's a different match day squad, mm. which is you know, which you and Dai Young said as much in the lead up to the game that it's the strongest twenty three he'd picked in uh, since he returned to Cardiff. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, the the squad, in the truer sense of the world, word, I think will will show itself deep into November, December and January when, you know, uh, internationals are away and yeah. uh, injuries have really have really kind of set in. Um you're right, it, it looks like Liam Williams will be out for will be out for some time with that collarbone injury too, which obviously not, yeah, uh, it's agonizing. not what they would have been hoping for. I, I could you couldn't really pick it up on T V but they were suggesting that he was in tears coming off. And uh you can totally see why because um he had a terribly disrupted period at um the Scarlets, and then trying to turn over a new leaf and back to square one on his first game. So, I mean, literally 19 minutes of play, um, and he's he's gone for God knows how long. So, yeah, really, really depressing for him. Yeah, no, it is, and yeah, hopefully it's you know, hopefully it'll turn out to not be as um, as bad as we think. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about fullback options for Wales later on in the show, actually, when we take some listeners' questions. Um, but yeah, that'll uh, that'll wrap it up for uh, for Cardiff. Um, obviously, stiffer tests await throughout the season, but yeah, good. Uh, and I would I would say an unexpected win to start the season as well. I definitely wouldn't have predicted that. Um, I, I I gave him a chance when I saw Munster's side, but if you'd have told me, you know, asked me a week ago before the teams were selected, I, I agree. But um, when I saw there was no major names, almost at all. Sorry, I just cut myself off. Uh, no Omani and no um, Tyke Byrne and, you know, um, uh, any of the, uh, basically any of the international uh, squad uh, didn't mm. seem to be on the pitch. So I gave him a squeak then just because of the quality that Cardiff brought in, you know. But um, yeah. if, you, if you just told me before, the, you know, like I said, before the teams were announced, I would agree with you. But uh, I gave him a squeak at home with that, with that Munster side. Fair enough, and uh, yeah, moving on to the uh, to the West Wales derby, uh, which it was the 
I was going to say it was the kind of that archetypal game of two halves, and then the, the Osprey snuck a draw with the last game. It was like almost like the game of two halves, and then another another little bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought the game got better as it went on. Actually, uh, early on was a both scrum halves were having a bit of a mare with their kicking, and um, got quite messy. Um, but then, sort of the Scarlets come back, and um, they had opportunities there to take um, uh, kicks a goal to put themselves ten points in front and turn them down. And um, I think, well, I mean, it's it's easy for easy to say from your armchair, isn't it? Obviously, but uh, I think they might in future they might think look at the scoreboard and do some sums before they decide to go for the corner again. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a bugbear of mine, actually. I just think that generally, um, particularly particularly with the Welsh sides, I just think take the points on offer. I, you know, yeah. I, I know there will be some statistic that says across all of rugby, you know, percentage-wise, if you kick to the corner, you have, uh, you know, even if you don't score directly, you'll end up getting the ball back and it'll increase the territory and all that stuff. But I bet that's massively skewed by <laughs> by, by better sides than the, than the Welsh reaches. Yeah. So and, um, and also, so yeah, I just think take the points when they're on offer. Like, just, yeah, you know, keep that scoreboard ticking. That's right. But in uh, Scarlet's defence, like Ospreys looked a bit of a busted flush at the time. Sort of, uh, I don't know, twelve, fifteen minutes to go. It looked like they'd. Um, caved a little bit so it, it was right in a way from their point of view to go for the jugular but um, you just got to do the sums haven't you you just you know they, they, once they if they went to 10 points there was no no way Ospreys was going to score twice and um, yeah I, I would imagine they'd feel a little bit sick after with this because I think it was two occasions I, when they could have gone for the post yeah. as well yeah you, you absolutely would and I mean it's just it's just so strange because the Ospreys I thought were out and out the better side in the first half they really you know it looked as though I thought oh, they'll, they'll, they'll win this this is going to be a bit of a no contest and second half fair play to Scarlets they came out and um, and you know did look at did look a different side there was a bit of that kind of right we're going to try and run it from everywhere and um, and chuck in some offloads and and, and try and shake things up a bit, but then I also just think they they looked more um, they looked more physical in the second half, and they you know they managed to get some good front football, um, some dubious refereeing decisions in there um, in there as well. What did you make of, uh, of uh, as our resident um, as our resident referee? Expert, what did you make of uh, Adam Jones's performance? Yeah, I don't. I, well, lo- normally you can tell if both sides don't look happy with him. <laughs> if you know what I mean, <laughs> that's a bad sign for a referee. Um, he was chatting to the props, uh, when Jones, the, the, the props that came off the bench, he was chatting to him all the time yeah. and, and never really making his mind up about what to do, just sort of telling him off. The, uh, the onus is on you, he said at one stage. And then they both went on the ground straight away, straight after that. So I don't know if he could, maybe just couldn't pick between them who was at, at fault. But uh, I'll tell you what else um, caught my attention, aside from the dodgy ref, was... Uh, uh, Justin Tipperick. Um, long hair. Long well, hair. Well, here we are. Gr- wonderful just to have him back on the pitch full stop, but beautifully tanned, lovely long locks. Looks totally comfortable in his skin, even though he's had a year out of his sport. Uh, and also on the same subject uh, as Justin Tipperick, the English language commentary, which I shamefully uh, <laughs> used when I was watching it off SLC. Uh, I don't know who the guy was, but I'd never heard him before. Um, he-, he kept calling him. Um, Justin Tipurik or uh, Justin Tipurik or something 
something off kilter all the way through the game. They never, never. The first time I heard it, I thought he's just, bit, you know, had a a, a, a Murphy esque mispronunciation of someone's name. Yeah. But uh, he just he just carried on the whole match, and it, I wondered if he also calls it tumeric. <laughs> Instead of Tipperick, and, uh, and he puts uh, oregano in his <laughs> yeah, his food. That's it. A spoon, a spoonful of oregano in the spag ball, yeah. and uh, a spoonful of uh, turmeric for, uh, for his um, arthritis yeah, and his chicken bolty. Yeah, <laughs> for his arthritis. Yeah. The uh, the other one with that to uh, obviously go off on a, a tangent as we often do. Um, I remember hearing like you know the, the journalist Andy Howell. Um, <laughs> Uh, of Wales Online and when they were running a podcast and he used to be on there every week and he pronounced it uh, Tipperich. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, (laughs) yeah, that squeaky voice of his, well, you know know what we haven't mentioned? Justin Tipperich. (laughs) And it'd be like that. You talk about selection, you talk about Reese Priestland. We we haven't mentioned Justin Tipperich. (laughs) And he's, um, uh, yeah, which again, I was like, like, you're the only person in the world, I think. Maybe maybe it's correct with the, you know, the, the kind of the, Croatian descent, yeah. but um, I would imagine but I was like, I was everyone like, else over there ends in IC. <laughs> I was like, everyone, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone else calls him uh, calls him Tipperick. But anyway, yeah, I mean, he was I, first half in particular. I thought he was magnificent and was I was you know even playing alongside Jack Morgan, who was excellent in that first half as well. I was like, this guy is still hands down the best seven in Wales, um, um, or the best Welsh seven. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I thought that that first half in. Um, in particular, uh, he was uh, he was he was amazing. Well, if but, you consider um, he's going to kick on again from his first game back in over a year, yeah, you know, th- yeah. there's uh, and Which, uh, uh, and then you've got uh, Tommy Raphael, Tane Basham, and uh, and and Thomas Young being unbelievable on the weekend as well. I, I know we I know we've well I I personally have wanged on about the number of uh, sevens we got, but you know it's just it's just ridiculous. You know, it's, um, yeah. He, he, it's just stupid. It is. I, I, I you can't feel, imagine I we had that many like, in, our, in, in the in the in the golden era. No, no, and I I think the um the and also as well you you cast your mind back not even as far as that you cast your mind back to uh, to when Gatlin took over in two thousand and eight and he kind of begged Martin Williams out of uh, out of retirement yeah. and you know it was it just looked for a long time it was like well we we have we have this one seven you know who's who's you know. The, Obviously, you know, an all-time great, but there were points where you're just like, well, I don't know, I don't know where the next one's coming from. Then you had, and then like you say, it's from there on, it's just a, a quick succession, like the, uh, you know, the the famed fly half factory has yeah. basically been like that for for sevens. Um, while we're talking about Tipperick, and also to bring it back to dodgy refereeing decisions, um, what the bollocks was that penalty only? That can't have been right. Where he clattered McNichol just before half time. Um, it wasn't Tipperick, was it? That, it was too oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I got that all wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Um, yeah, he clattered it. Yeah, the the, the kick from uh, from McNichol. He clattered him late. Um, there's some con. I mean, that's. I don't know. I, I've lo- I've lost track with what the law is meant to be. But again, to me, I think he had enough time to to duck out of that. Um, and there's there's contact with the head, so it's got to be at least a yellow, even if there's some kind of mitigating circumstance. But you know, like you say, you know, you hit the chest and rode up. Yeah. It doesn't make sense on any level to me. That I, one. I, for some reason, I only remember the one that um, they looked at for Sam Lousy. For the tr- was it Sam Lousy or for Fita? Uh, or for Fita, yeah. I think it was yeah. for the for the, the one where Costello scored the try. Yeah, but it turned out to be it just looked bad. 
I saw that in real time and I was like, well, you can play on all you want. They're going to go back and they're going to send yeah. him off. And then when you saw it, it was like, oh, right, yeah. okay. Just, just, I, I still think, if I'm honest, I think it was probably a penalty. I think there was some connection with the head. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. It just wasn't, I, I it just wasn't kind of... Each angle they showed wasn't the kind of... Uh, it wasn't conclusive. Yeah, it wasn't was it? the kind of silver bullet to say, "Aha, you're, you're, you've had it, son." It just didn't. There's a Pruder film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Tom Costello because I thought he was really good, especially the longer the game went on. Or even Sam Costello. What did I call him? Tom. Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> just call it. Call him Elvis. <laughs> yeah. We'll call him Victor. Elvis. Victor's forever. my favourite. Victor. Oh, Victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. old Victor Costello. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, let's let's quickly do that before the break, Murph, because we've had it's probably um, the, we did have probably this, the best ten performance this, of the weekend. Yeah, we did have this question uh, this question come in, which I'm frantically scrolling to try and find. Uh, it was from from Joe Tunney, who says, uh, "Who's your current third outside half in the squad?" Presuming that that Bigger and Anscombe are first and second choice, um, is that how you assess it? Because she she had a good weekend as well. Well, it, uh, I mentioned him last week. There's no sign of him again. Is um, uh, Patchell not even on the bench? I don't know. I don't know. I, I tell you, I was surprised to see back with no, no, no kind of fanfare or anything at all. Is um, Tom Francis because mm. he had that glancing blow that knocked him out cold in the uh, first test, I think. In, in South it Africa. Was first and, test, yeah. and it, it was on the back of other concussions as well. So I thought he'd be on an enforced layoff, but there was no mention of him at all over the summer. And then he he started the first game of the season and uh, won some penalties early on, as he does. And um, yeah, I, I I mean delighted. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know about number three. I I, I think it's I made it. It's fairly obvious to everyone. I'm a big fan of Reese Patchell, but he's not on the pitch enough. So um, based on based on this weekend you would go Sam Costello because uh, um, I think Jared's played him played himself out over the last sort of six months or so uh, also Pivak just plainly doesn't rate him it's yeah. not well it's not worth it's not worth considering I think he no. would have to do something astonishing to break anywhere near the, the world squad good point about that yeah Pivak well he tried to, he tried to pick um, a 35 year old Reese Bleasand instead didn't he yeah exactly um, yeah he, he doesn't even start ahead of him at Cardiff yeah. but um yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I think there's lots more to come from uh, from Costello. Uh, a lot more. I think he's got. You know, I don't know what it is. There's there looks to be that kind of natural attacking instinct, which is is very exciting. Um, it looks you know it looks pretty tough actually for a you know for um for a fly half too. Yeah. Uh, you know for 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 an attacking running running ten. Um, but yeah, I you know if if Patchell can get game time, I certainly wouldn't be writing him out because the guy is you know he's he's a wonderful footballer. Mm. Um, you just hope he's able to you know he's able to stay fit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I think uh, if it were me picking it picking the squad tomorrow, I would probably go um, Costello as my third choice. Uh, if it was yeah, if the, yeah, if there might tomorrow. there might be a bit of. Um... I would too, but I think there might be a bit of loyalty from Pivac to someone he's used before in Sheedy. Um, but I, I, Costello, I think he's deceptively strong with uh, with ball in hand. You know, that's why he breaks a uh, breaks a few tackles and ends up um, scoring like he did on on the weekend. Um, I suppose 
it's the intensity then of the the is, is the boring stuff, the the um, kicking out the hand and all the other stuff mm-hmm. that you get under greater scrutiny in in uh, the international setting. But um, I think he's there. I think he's there or thereabouts for sure. Yeah, so do I. Right, we're going to take a look after the break at uh, the massacre in uh, in Edinburgh, which is uh, guaranteed to uh, to end my week and start yours on a on a massive low. Uh, we'll also take a, a few more listeners' questions as well. So all of that coming up after this quick break. Right, Murph, time to uh, time to bring the mood down a bit with uh, with the dragons. You. Uh, <laughs> We were, we were saying off air that um, you said you hadn't seen the Dragons game, uh, and I said you have. You've seen it. You've seen it a hundred times against different opposition, but the, the same bloody game. Yeah, jeez, um, yeah, all of that, all of that anticipation—not anticipation, but that. Uh, uh, I, you know, I should have known better to have to have gone into this game with any hope. Um, it was exactly, yeah, exactly what um, I've come to expect, just with a different set of players in there. Oh dear! I mean, I saw the result and I got it recorded I saw the score and I thought I think I'll wait till I'm in a better mood because um, yeah groundhog day isn't it um, it's a shame uh, yeah. you know look I, I think a win up there straight off the bat was too much to ask anyway but yeah, you, you just want it to be more well 20 points more competitive than that <laughs> Yeah, I just think like if you're if you're to be serious about this as a, as a club uh, or region or whatever we're saying um if you're serious about them improving, you have to stamp out those 40-point defeats. Yeah. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care whether you're playing the Bulls, the Stormers, Leinster, anyone. You just can't lose by 40 points. You know, there might be the odd one that crops up, but this is this happens time and time again. And I just don't think you can you can have them anymore. Um and then, you know, you've basically this season they they would have sat down, I would said, and go, right. We need to win like five games at home, maybe two on the road, and cut out the and cut out the drubbins, um, and that would represent progress. And um, and for it to happen first up as well, it's not like oh right, November we've lost some internationals, we've got some injuries, same old dragons. It's like brand new squad, or you know, a, a squad with with like we said last week, with upgrades on the players that they've got in there, and that's the best that they can muster up. And yeah, that's the, that's the really frustrating thing. I tell you what concerns me even more is um first first selection of the season and the two props they signed who were notoriously absent all the time from their previous clubs and notoriously absent from their new clubs so yeah. no rob evans and uh, no Rodri jones and yeah i, I mean i if they're going to be like that i hope they were cheap because they won't be on the 80 80 20 anymore will no, they anyway. so um yeah if they're not if they're not involved an awful lot more, then the the front five frailties from last year haven't really gone away because obviously you've, you've still got Will Rollins there. But he, even when he's in the side, they're still not quite uh, up to scratch. Um, so you needed the other the, the two new boys to be there, you know, most of the time. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I'll, I'll say no more at this stage, but if I look at next week's selection. <laughs> and the concept is still not involved at all in the matchday squad. You know, I, I don't know if, I don't know, maybe they, they, you know, if I went on the Dragons website, maybe they're on the injury list or, or whatever. But um, I just think 
you know, if you, you the issue was uh, front row depth last year. So you signed two yeah. props, and you need to sign props that are going to actually be there a lot. Um, there was yeah, there was there was a really good piece in the uh, in the Argus by by Chris Kerwin, who's who's covered the Dragons for years, and um, kind of breaks it down position by position and where and where that kind of strength lies. And obviously, you could look at the second row and say that you know that's more uh, there's there's much more strength there. We know there's been strength in the back row. Uh, we know there's more options at ten and centre now. And the the area in particular that he that he focused in and said was was weak was was tight head prop and it is because you know like you say you've got the concept um, you've got uh, you've got Leon Brown and Leon misses a lot of rugby through injury or you know he's often in the Wales squad as the third as the third choice tight head yeah. um, which then leaves you you know leaves you with Chris Coleman who's who's a young um, you know young and improving tight head and you know the the word has genuinely been that he's progressing well but it's still a big step up. And then you've got Lloyd Fair, uh, Lloyd Fairbrother, Fairbrother. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah and, and Sayuli. Sayuli yeah, is a three or two. Sayuli's the loose head. Oh, is he? Oh, I thought yeah, Dongay was, Dongay the, was the loose head. No, Dongay's the oh. tight head, and he's gone. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it does leave it does leave you exposed, oh. and um, and yeah, and and it, and it showed. But the thing that's really frustrating is, you know, that the. the individual errors I was like how do you stop this you know Will Rowland's you know put in a, a good shift and he's and as I said he's our best player and he's captain now as well and he put in a you know put in a good shift stole some line out balls and you know carried lots but even him like you, you know it was uh I don't know about 25 minutes into the first half decent uh, decent field position um and uh and he gives away you know gives away a needless penalty uh Sue Tompkinson did did a, a similar thing and I was like these aren't bad players you know Will Rollins is our best player he's one of Wales's best players and he's making individual errors that you just feel he wouldn't make in another team mm. Sia Tompkinson likewise you know I know he's had injury problems right which is why he's wound up at the Dragons he's not a bad player mm. what is it that just means that when they pull on that jersey that it, that it just does not click under successive coaches mm. there is something that you know it's like they there's a sodding albatross sewn into the badge um so yeah i mean it, it's so frustrating and um and it was awful like properly damn awful as bad as as bad as i think any of those defeats i've really? seen you know the first 20 minutes yeah competitive scored two, you know we're six nil up or whatever and then after that it was just truly or for the first match of the season to be that bad could barely string two passes together um you know, meanwhile, Darcy Graham is, you know, is just being an absolute mercurial genius. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the two teams are poles apart. My wife, I was watching it this morning and um, my wife was in the kitchen um, as I was watching it. And she walked in and was just, she was just like, what, why are the dragons so bad? She, she didn't follow up with anything. I was like, I, was like, I don't know. Honestly, I was like, I don't know. There's a degree of funding. But I was like, to be this bad, it's just, it's just bloody awful. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. It's there funny you to say that because I, I know um, a former player. Uh, I won't name him in case I get him to really big trouble. But it, 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 he, uh, it didn't sound like it was his own. It sounded like it was a common nickname amongst his uh, teammates. Uh, he used to call them the drag queens. Yeah, I've yeah. Heard, yeah, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I, that doesn't help, does it? When your own players. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's tongue in cheek, but when you say about the. Uh, kind of uh, coach after coach team after team being calamitous 
Um, yeah, I mean this, this was the ki- this was the kind of feat that defeat that reminded me of like the uh, the mid Bernard Jackman era, where it basically was chucking out sides, going, "We got no chance of beating Edinburgh, so we're not even going to bother sending up a first choice side." Yeah. You know, we're going to send that, um, and that's bad enough, and it's dispiriting enough. Um, but when you're doing it with a, a brand new, supposedly improved squad. Um, it's um, it's pretty frustrating, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Murph. I don't know if you've seen Dean Ryan's post match um, post match interview, no. um, but we had this one in from uh, from Rugby Twenty Four Seven, who I think is a guy called Neil, um, and uh, yeah, he said, yeah, what do you think about Dean Ryan critically uh, criticizing the players publicly after the game? Um, I mean, he's right. Everything he says is right. He's like, you know, we've got supposed <laughs> talent in this in this team, yeah. um, but we're not seeing any of it. Hard conversations have got to happen. Mm. At, at what point, you know, um, you know, at what point do these things change? Mm. Um, and he's absolutely right with this. But at the same time, these are the players he's brought in now. Yeah. You know, it, this is this is essentially his squad as director of rugby. Um, I know he's you no, know, he's not head coach anymore, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it, mean, it, you're right there. It, 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 what he's saying is correct, but do you do you need to say it to the public? Like, it's famously I, Alex Ferguson would defend his players to the hilt on telly, relentlessly, no matter how bad they were. He'd defend them, defend them, defend them. And I think everyone knew full well he was going back in his dressing room and saying, God, you were shit. And if you do that again, you know, and then beasting him in training. And, and, but in public, it was always defend, 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 take the pressure or take the pressure on yourself or whatever, whatever we want to describe it. But um, normally, you know, managers. I'm, I'm trying to think what the equivalent of that Man United 90s naughty side uh, <laughs> would be to losing, losing to yeah. Edinburgh. It would be like, you know, getting humped 6-0 by, uh, by Middlesbrough um, or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so he didn't have to do too many, too much defending like no. that. But you're right. I mean, that is the, you know, the the coaching textbook as written by Sir Alex Ferguson would say, you take the rap, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you 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 kick the shit out of them in um, in private. Yeah, maybe but, he's, maybe he's just run out of answers uh, if he goes that route where he's just taking the blame himself, and he's just got got no options left to use. So he's resorted to just blaming the players. Uh, well, yeah. in, look, I know it's. Uh, like you said, I, I've seen it before this game, um, but what you can, what you can say is Edinburgh, uh, a very different animal to the past under this new. Um, is it Blair? Uh, Mike, Mike Blair. Blair yeah. yeah, they're good. Yeah, no, they, they play some. They, they play they, some lovely stuff. I mean, they and, were they were um, going downhill a little bit uh, under the last management. And um, uh, to to be fair though, Murph, your boys. The Wanderers would have given the Dragons a game. <laughs> I, honestly, I, think, sure they, I think they would. I think they could. I think they could have done them over. Um, no disrespect to anyone at Glamorgan Wanderers, um, but um, yeah, I yeah, it, it was it was truly they're they're, they're a really good side, and you should, they, they were just poles apart. You know, it's a well drilled side, and again, you're right. No one's expecting them to go up there and win because actually Edinburgh don't lose many games at home, but to you know to be competitive for 15 minutes and then roll over and um, mm. Um, and just just performs so poorly, and the first game of the season is um, you know is is pretty gut wrenching. But um, yeah, yeah. On the, on the just to bring it back to the the criticizing the players in public piece, we saw Dai Young do it at the end of last season, and then they subsequently went on and got you know got a few got a few more shootings <laughs> before the season's yeah. out. Um, so you know it'll be interesting to see what the response mm. is because I, I think to me it's one of those cards you can only play 
you can only really play it once or twice, can't you? Because after that, you know, you you can't go out week after week and slag the players off because you've then got the same set of players for the rest of the season to deal yeah. with. Um, and I've I've no doubt that that in that dressing room, every single player knows that it was not acceptable performance. Every single one of them. Um, yeah. There's, there's others so come in, know. And, you know, if you're trying to put some sort of positive spin on it. There's other boys who weren't involved on uh, Saturday. Uh, I don't know if that's because they weren't available or not, but um, we mentioned the props, but there was, other, there was other squad players in the backs and back row forwards and what have you. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this Lonsdale at six. As you know, I'm a bit sceptical about second rows at yeah. six. And I know, I, you know, I, I know you could look at it and say it gives a bit more power to the, to the Dragons pack. Yeah. Um, which is something we have lacked for a while, but um, actually, I don't know. You know, back row is such an area of strength. I'd rather see, you know, uh, Keddie's injured at the moment, but then you know, Basham came off the bench. I would, I'd rather see some some class back row players, which we've got a lot of. Yeah. Um, in there than, than maybe. Well, if a, if you, you were know, kind of if you shift. were looking at the squad and picking out and out first choice in every position, Lonsdale would be in the second row. If you know what I mean, that would be you know the strongest side. He, he wouldn't make the back row, so. Um, yeah, obviously, I, I, the guy I mentioned last week is not available yet, is he? Uh, Bertie Wu, he's still with Argentina, so that's you know that's someone to come back as well. I'm trying to, I'm digging hard for positive. Yeah, here. I mean, but again, but again, I, I know, yeah, but the, that's that's the that's the frustrating thing is um, is yeah, you know, it, it was Rodri Williams playing in his mm. place, who's you know, yeah, no, he's not terrible. Play, played a lot, you know, international himself, uh, admittedly not for a while, but he's not. Uh, yeah, oh, I don't. Know. <laughs> Christ knows. Um, but anyway, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a new low even for me to be this crushed one game into the season. Normally, I can find an excuse for the drags, but uh, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully next week. Um, it's it's just performance, you know. You just hope that there's a, a better performance around the corner. Um, they've got a couple more listeners' questions, though, Murph. Be keen to uh, to get your take on this and to stop me talking about the dragons for a bit. <laughs> Um, again, it is you know a lot of people will be listening to this uh, on a Monday morning. Um, let's get uh, let's get your take on this one. Uh, this one is uh, from Richard. Uh, I'm guessing he's a Scarlets fan, judging by where he is in the world. Uh, random one. Uh, will Josh McLeod get capped in the next twelve months? <laughs> back, row, back row early, and obviously the poor fellow has had such a bad run of luck. I love that. That's a great question because obviously, I mean, how long has he been out now? It's coming up to a year, isn't it? Approaching. Um, it was last autumn, I think he got injured, just before the internationals. He, yeah, and he was in the squad yeah, again, yeah. wasn't he? Um, I think it's twice that's happened that he's got injured while in Wales yeah. squads. Uh, in fact, one of them, I think he was even named in the 23, possibly. Right. Um, and yeah, obviously he came off the bench, didn't he, in the, uh, in the game at the weekend. Um, but yeah, you can, I don't know. The thing is that, like you said, that competition has just got stiffer. <laughs> Again, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, arguably, you know, it's, it's a different sport in the, uh, trying to be uh, open side for Wales in the last over the last twelve months. Now, it, each new cap has raised the bar further, kind of thing, and um, and uh, and then to top it all, Justin Tipperick's available again. Uh, to, I mean, McLeod. I, I, I don't want to second guess it, but McLeod might have been picked last year because Tipperick wasn't there. So there's such a long way back for him now. I mean. Um, a great player and they've missed him you know uh, massively but um, I think <laughs> I love that question I just I, I just think it, it aimed <laughs> aim to get in the Scarlet's team again first <laughs> and go from there he is quality but 
he's of this this the questioner is obviously a massive Joshua Club fan. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, and and look, a player I think who you know is um, is international quality. You know, in, like we said in other eras, um, you know the kind of post just post if Martin Williams had stayed in retirement in uh, in two thousand and seven, uh, and Josh McLeod was around <laughs> then, uh, this incarnation of him, you know, I think he he could have held down that shirt for a for a, for a decent yeah forty caps yeah, um, yeah yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a very, uh, very difficult. Um, yeah, and in other in other points in time, he'd have had hundred mm. caps. But um, but yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's it's very hard to see. I, I think he's a, he's a long way down the list now, and that's no disrespect to him as a player. I think it's just no. um, it's just how um, how well everyone else is is playing, and like you say, Tip Tip, tip Rich is playing. Yeah. Tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, this one's from uh, from Barry the puppy, and you've touched on a little bit of this. Uh, was that Cardiff's peak, or will they continue, or was it simply because the emerging Ireland players uh, pulled from the squad? Yeah, it, 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 there is an element of that game where they, uh, even though they were Cardiff for a much changed, stronger outfit than they were last season, there was still an element of the game where they were trying their hardest to give it back to Munster, a weakened Munster, mm. if you know what I mean. So, I no, none none more so than that last kickoff after the uh, the Summerhill yeah. try when they re- restarted and not just bungled the kickoff but completely missed like the ball. Adi- and I thought, I thought, oh my god, they jumped god, in a different postcode basically to where the ball landed. <laughs> that's what it looked like. Um, yeah, and that you know that's that's still in them, I think. Uh, but I just think. High, very high quality players in, added to that side will hopefully push him past that in, a, in the same way that sort of um, uh, Tito and uh, Zav Rush did. It just elevated everyone else. So hopefully that's, I mean, from their point of view, yeah, that's I mean, what's going to happen. But um, yeah. From their point of view, if only Toby was available every week of the yeah. year. Though. Yeah. Uh, he does, you know, he, he, he has come from a side where he did just play all the time. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, you, you know, whenever he wasn't uh, playing for Wales, he was straight back in the bar side every single time. Even a, even a blind side, you know, it just he just he just did a lot of minutes. So obviously, that's he, he gets um, uh, looked after more. Now he's on one of those um, central contract things, but uh, he's not the type of guy who's um, should we say a Sam Warburton, where he seems to play about three games a season for his club and twelve for his country. Um, he does do a lot of minutes during the season so um, yeah and, and you know uh, before Falatel came back um, the guy who was doing it last it was not called Ben Murphy he's called something else Ratty yeah James Ratty James he had Ratty. some really good games so um, as backup I think you know that's not terrible uh, but yeah going back to the question I, I know exactly where that question is coming from because I don't think they're uh, no one changes overnight anyway, but they're, they're just, hopefully they're starting that process. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, moving on to, well, we've, we've definitely covered a, a bit of this, but a, a couple of interesting points from Greg Sherrington. Um, <laughs> firstly, he says, uh, when is Dean Ryan getting sacked? Um, and secondly, uh, who do we think will play 15 for Wales? We'll come to the to the fullback bit in um, in a minute. Um but on the on the Dean Ryan stuff, I genuinely think he's got until the autumn internationals yeah. to make to to make something work. Yeah, I think so. 
Like if it goes on like that, I mean, it'll but be it'll be. Wasn't um, they've got so, to get some wins? Di Flanagan brought in as cover though. Well, is it? I mean, I I think Di Flanagan was brought in for the right reasons. That was that Dean Ryan was being a head of co- a head coach and director of rugby at the same mm. time, and most clubs have two people to mm. do that. Most professional mm. clubs, um, and obviously, you know, I think Di Flanagan came with a good you know good reputation as an attack coach. Um, and then you know, so obviously there, there might be a bit of teething with that, but um, yeah, I, I I think to go back to that post-match interview, it looked like a guy under pressure and frustrated and needs to get needs to get something out of it. And mm. you know, I think as director of rugby, you're responsible for the recruits who come in now, and so they've they've got to between them, they've got to get a tune out of that squad of players. Um, and I think I think it's kind of between now and November to. To, to show progress. Yeah, it's just that um, it, with the addition of Flanagan, it looks as though they, he could say, well, or the, the organisation could say, well, the actual plane on the pitch is the responsible of the head coach, the responsibility of the head coach. And so I just, just I just thought that might give a bit of cover to um, uh, Dean Ryan. I don't know. Uh, it's difficult to, it's not exactly that many um you know, like Di Young, for example, you'd think of as a as a DOR and less of a head coach. I don't know. It's a, it's a. Mm. I, I just thought they were trying. I thought appointing Di Flanagan was, you know, a, a way of directing attention away from Dean Ryan, and especially having a buffer between him and the players as well, because he seems to be very unpopular with his own players. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. What, I think you might. I, I definitely. There's. I mean, there's definitely pressure on the management of it. But I just thought. I just the way I perceived yeah, it I mean, was. Um, what, it, it would, thing is, if if he'd if he'd inherited, you know, or if he'd have been head coach of a kind of mediocre side, um, who then or a mid-table side that had then got crap under a new head coach, I could kind of see yeah. that and go, yeah, all right, the, the head coach isn't working. Let's be. Yeah. Uh, but he actually has been there coaching those set of players for three seasons. Mm. Um, so if things go even worse, you know, who takes the can? The guy yeah. who's the guy who's been there five minutes, or the guy who's overseen it for three uh, for three years, and has had the opportunity to bring in his own set of players. This um, this and there, uh, we've said this before. They're all Dean Ryan players. Lonsdale, not Max Clark. Mm. Um, uh, you know, all those. I forget who the others are now, but you know, they're they're all you know, lots of. Um, Lots of players who are generally grafters, and you know you'd be able to to mould into a to a hard working team. But I don't know. Well, well it, the only thing is there is a, if you're right, and you might well be right. It got to November, and uh, they boot him out. The new whoever comes in uh, probably won't want to work with. He'll probably want his own coach in Di Flanagan, or, or maybe Di Flanagan yeah. will just be promoted because it's easier than trying to find someone. Um, well, the, I mean, the other thing is, um, you know, the, the figure that's that's quoted around um, from various from various sources is that Dean Ryan's on a, you know, is on a whack, mm. uh, and the figure seems to be a quarter of a million pounds a right. year. Um, so, I don't know, uh, you know, even if you wanted to get rid of him, whether there was a, you know, whether the, that's a, a financially viable thing for a region that doesn't have much, you know for a professional rugby club that doesn't have much money anyway yeah. so um so i don't know maybe maybe it'll, it'll be there and to, to be honest you know i don't know just who knows maybe th- maybe things will change maybe this is just the, the you know there is a 
better times around the corner. I don't know. I've I've given up trying to I've given up trying to <laughs> trying to think rationally about it now. I think it's just uh, it's either just blind faith or uh, or blind drunk. One of the two gets me through it. Yeah, so, I mean it's a tricky situation. They, they just it, it it couldn't have. Look, like I said, Edinburgh had much changed outfit in the last uh, year or so, but it just couldn't have gone worse, could it? Um, Saturday, so all these questions are going to come up. But I, I, I just, I just imagined from an organisation point of view, organisationally, the appointment of Di Flanagan was to take attention away, more attention away from um, Dean Ryan, and I, I was surprised to hear Dean Ryan doing the post-match interview. I thought they'd go direct to Di Flanagan, and then sort of. Not marginalised. Maybe that's cover, maybe cover that's Dean Ryan. maybe that's the play. Maybe he's trying to maybe he's trying to detract uh, detract attention away from Dyfe. <laughs> thrown thrown it onto the maybe. players. Uh, what about what about Wales fifteens then, uh, Murph? This is a an interesting one. Obviously, Liam's going to be out for a for a while mm. now. Um, we haven't seen you know we haven't seen Lee Halfpenny since that horror injury sustained against Canada yeah. of all sides. Um, so yeah, what. Um, what are your thoughts on who might who might fill that jersey in the the long and the short term? Um, well, the one who stood up this weekend and has probably been um, the most consistent performer across the regions is uh, Tom Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been capped on the wing in the past, so mm-hmm. um, it's not out. You know, with Liam Williams gone now, it's not a strong position anymore. You know, if he's long-term injured, if it's as bad as it looks, sort of most of the season, should we say, he's unavailable. Um, it's not a strong position fullback. No, it's not. I mean, yeah, the, realistically, the options you've got. I, yeah, I think Rogers is the long-term is the long-term prospect. I think he's got everything that everything that you need to be a, a top quality fullback. You know, obviously he's got that turn of pace. He knows where the try line is. Strong guy. Um, D looks decent under the high ball quite whether or not you'd you'd put him straight in there I don't know um the you know the other option I suppose is you you know you look at a 10 at, at fullback so you you perhaps look at Anscombe there who's obviously played a fair amount of international rugby at 15 mm. I don't think I don't think it's it's anywhere near his strongest suit but defensively no. um you know I think obviously it gives you another another playmaker mm. but I, I don't think it's his um I don't think it's his best position at all um and then, yeah, outside of that, it's uh, it's tricky, isn't it? You know, yeah, what? there's some, you know, there's some youngsters um, coming through, but none of them have actually made it yet at regional level. So it's much too soon to talk about them in terms of uh, the Welsh squad. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a worry. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I literally yeah. can't. I literally can't think who's gonna the first game of the autumn. I can't think with any certainty who's going to line up at 15 for Wales maybe it maybe it would be Rogers he's going to get plenty of game time between now and then um and if he you know if he's able to um able to string together some good performances I think I think that might be enough just given that there's not a huge amount of competition around there and he's you know I think he is the the brightest long-term prospect Mm. so I don't know maybe maybe that puts him in pole position Uh, he's mine he's maybe my first choice anyway so uh, uh, Wayne Wayne's got my he's got my uh, seal of approval Bang! Problem solved. <laughs> I look forward to a Tom Rogers hat trick uh, to inspire us in that win over the All Blacks. Oh yes, that, uh, please. <clears throat> yeah. for. Um, and then finally, Murph to finish. Obviously, the sad note that um, that uh, that I guess all all of the games acknowledged this week was the passing of Eddie Butler, age sixty five. Mm. 
very sad news. Obviously, a guy who's uh, you know synonymous uh, with the sport, not just in Wales but across you know across the country, mm-hmm. given it, given his commentary work. Sad and uh, sad and shocking news. Do you have a, a favourite uh, a favourite Eddie Butler moment? Um, well, I suppose the thing that took my attention most was how this uh, last week of all weeks, Eddie Butler's death still cut through like, like, even. Even success yeah. in Ukraine couldn't cut through the news in the last 10 days. You know, they made about 50 kilometers east this week and it barely got mentioned on the news, whether you agree with yeah. that or not. It, yeah, it, no, it just no, didn't. no, you're absolutely right. Uh, but in Wales, you know, the special programs, it, it, it was the, the, the nightly news or the uh, Welsh-specific news actually cut away from royal matters to talk about Eddie and um, a lot of, you know, tons of reaction to it. I suppose partly because so unexpected uh, 65 is you know a healthy guy up until you know recently uh, it, it, it was a shock so I suppose that was part of it um, but also once people started talking about him at any length you realise the impact he had on everyone and um, I didn't I had never thought of him in terms of being the voice of rugby over the last 20 years, but he's been ever present, you know, for every Wales game. And, Mm. you know, all the things, uh, all the foibles he had have suddenly become strengths, like the way he used to love overpronouncing the French names, which some of my mates used to go out of their mind over. Um, I I, I didn't realise until I did a bit, because I did a bit of work... um, for a few years on the on the varsity rugby match and Eddie went to um yeah he studied at Cambridge and he studied he studied, I think it was French and Spanish or in modern languages or something yeah. so he he was a he was a he was a French speaker but yeah it was uh, yeah overly overly theatrical but it, the, the trouble with that I think it stood out more uh when Eddie was in commentary and he was pronouncing everything perfectly because Jonathan Davis's pronunciation was absolute ass and and, and Jonathan Davis is not uh, a monoglot like he speaks Welsh and English so you'd think no, he'd have yeah, some yeah. kind of sensitivity around other people's languages but he would butcher uh, Aaron Ordecky's name for de- for yeah. season after season all the time and so it just made Eddie look even more word perfect with the uh, pronunciation I think he I think he referred to the referee uh, as, as Roman Potty quite a lot as <laughs> yeah, well yeah. which uh, yeah. yeah I'm sure and, he's, uh, you know, it, worse than that, but. he's also prone to Getting people's names, or naming the wrong player. He might, he might have the yeah. pronunciation absolutely perfect, but it'd be completely the wrong man on occasion. Which, um, I, you know, I'm in no position to throw stones on that one. I know. I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed him uh, refer to Scott Williams as Scott Gibbs on that tour of uh, that tour of Argentina, which is fun to, to roll back yeah. the uh, to to roll back the years. Um, but you know, I, 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 um, I, I actually met uh, Eddie. Well, I say met him. I saw him at Cheltenham races, and I just went, "All right, Ted," because he was uh, on a train and uh, like cl- taking up most of it. Uh, he's a massive bloke, and um, mm. spoke to him briefly because uh, back then Frank Jackus was my coach, and um, he went, "Ah, Frank," which <laughs> 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 is the most Eddie thing you could say. Um, and he just, you know, d- didn't know me from Adam, but still chatted me for quite a while on the train up, and. Um, just came across he was obviously on a day out having a good time but uh just came across as a lovely bloke and um yeah yeah he, he's just blind i think he blindsided rugby that, that yeah last week. i think it has i think it has and yeah again I, i've had you know mates for my 
English mates messaging me and go, oh my God, Eddie Butler, you know, I sat and stuff like that. And you're right, it's, it obviously is, you know, it's just one of those those voices that rugby fans mm. uh, know and um, and appreciate. But then um, a, couple, a couple of other things spring to mind. I mean, the that scrum five um, with uh, with Alfie on, which is just the the most compelling bit of television I think I've ever mm. watched. Um, you know, after the Ruddock Gate and all that was was incredible. But what what I loved about that is this was someone who wasn't prepared to you know prepared to sit there and pander to to players or to the union or anything like that. It was someone whose journalistic instinct telling him to 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 search for the you know for the. Um, story to get to the bottom of that yeah, story yeah. and and that's you know that to me is what scrum five should you know should always have have been about mm. and interestingly enough and again i read this when i was doing a, a, a bit of research working on the varsity is after the after the incident nigel walker who was then whatever he was you know uh head honcho chief exec of of uh bbc sport wales um came to speak to eddie and said all oh, right we've, we've been thinking about it and we'd like you to uh we'd like to to move you into you know into just a, a reporting role, and uh, and Butler, I, I I think I'm right in saying his exact words were Nigel, you can shove it up your ass, <laughs> and um, and I just think a you know a the principle of it, and b who hasn't had that dream of, uh, of telling their boss to shove it up their ass? Uh, I mean, um, so, that's um, a guy. Who, so I think that's my yeah, a guy who knows his, his own worth and is not scared to uh, uh, to say so. I like that. Um, yeah, and it, and it obviously didn't harm it didn't harm his career after no. that anyway. Yeah, uh, did you did you watch the tribute on Scrum Five? I've not yet. Got to watch no, that, I will. I will. Because, do uh, yeah, uh, I will. obviously the lovely glow, glowing tributes, but uh, what stood out most was Brian Moore uh, caving in emotionally at the beginning and at the end again. Um, uh, I think most people I've spoken to said they choked him up. He, I mean, he's an emotional guy, yeah. Brian. Anyway, but to see to see that, and uh, weirdly, he said um, we didn't hang around much outside of work. During the you know during the tribute yeah. he said but we didn't have to because we just like old friends we just don't see each other for ages you just slip back yeah. into the routine so um, yeah it was um, I was sort of shamefully more touched the, uh, by <laughs> Brian more talking about Eddie Butler than I was by any of the millions of vox pops that have gone on from the queue in the last ten days. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely agree um, yeah, if, if they uh, never yeah. do a Vox Pop ever again in regards to any situation ever like any 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 sporting event or anything unrelated to anything just just ban Vox Pops and I'll be I'll uh, be a happy honestly, man every, every, every time I have the news on and they go we're in Lincoln talking to the public about some big political <laughs> issue I, I can't stop but just say stop talking to the fucking public yeah. like because you're you're only picking out the most um you know the uh the most extremes in either of those scenarios yeah. but anyway Murph that that is definitely a Patreon special for another time um yeah we, so, we've uh, kept yeah, it yeah, to we'll, a lean we'll, hour and ten <laughs> we have we'll um we'll leave it uh, and yeah and that's including your disco nap in that as well so we'll leave it uh, we'll leave it there for another week thanks to everyone for sending in questions um and uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Murph, for uh, for waking up. You're welcome. <laughs> you, can go, you can go back and have yeah, a yeah. kip in a minute. They're bringing my um, tea around now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, of course, thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back to chat rugby with you next week.
Social Podcast Network.